any part of that wheel has a puncture in it, the entire wheel becomes flat. We all need each other to be successful. Everyone else around them helps make them successful. Welcome to Open, Honest, and Direct, a podcast sharing stories from powerful leaders on what it takes to unlock your team's potential, and we'll share all their screw-ups along the way. Each episode, we take a behind-the-scenes look at how to build a high-performing team from the leaders who built them. Today, we are lucky to have Jeff Elman, the co-founder of Humital, Homescott Realty, Hireology, and Urbanbound. On this episode, Jeff shares the importance of your first 10 hires and how crucial they are to the success of any growing company. Let's dive right in. So Jeff, over the last 20 years, you co-founded four different companies, most notably Homescout Realty, which sold to Coldwell Banker in 2016, Hireology, which is number 94 on Inc.'s 5,000 fastest growing companies and a perennial leader on the Crane's best places to work list, Urban Bound, which has raised over $14 million to help simplify one of life's biggest transitions, relocating to a new city. What role did you play in growing each of these companies? Well, I think the key role is being the visionary, you know, being the co-founder of the companies and understanding the problems that we need to solve. And hopefully those are problems that people are willing to pay money to have solved. And what did you learn about yourself and learn about building teams since starting your first company to where you are now? Well, I quickly learned that you're only as good as your people. And the first 10 people that you hire at any company will make or break the entire organization. So finding those right people and having the right hiring process, you know, being slow to hire and quick to fire are really important skills that all business owners need to have. So I've heard be slow to hire, be quick to fire before, but I've never heard the first 10 are the most critical to the success of your business. Where does that come from? And how did you figure the first 10 being the most important? Because they're basically the foundation of, you know, if you think about a sports franchise, you need to get the right players on the team, especially early on to build that culture. And I often talk internally here that culture is something that's caught. It's not taught. So I need to hire the right people that align with, you know, my core values, me as an individual you know, contributor, but also me as the leader of the company. And if you hire the first 10 people that align with your values, and then most likely when they go to hire more people to join the company, they'll align with their values and then you're gonna build a great company. But if you were to hire the wrong 10 people out of the gate, I call it the bozo effect. You know, one bozo you hire, it's a mishire, and then they go hire another bozo, and then you have a team of bozos, you can't scale a company. So that's one of the most important things I always look for in a company, is I really want to meet those core 10 initial people that joined and why they joined. So each of the three major companies that you co-founded have seen tremendous amount of success. Did you get it right the first time, the first 10? You know, we actually have a really good track record of hiring the right people. I can't say I got it right 100% of the time, but more times than not, we made really good hiring decisions. And that's why I feel like those three companies have had the success that they've had. I'm always looking for things that I can teach and things I cannot teach. So I cannot teach you to have great communication skills, to have a great work ethic, to have great morals and ethics and values, but I can teach you my business. So if you have that hunger for growth and you've shown that in your career that you're someone who wants to go the extra mile, then you'll probably do really well working for one of my companies. So I look for those patterns going back to, you know, even high school, you know, were they in student council? If they were playing sports, were they a captain voted by their peers? Were they in a clubs or fraternities, sororities, associations in college, student government? I look for patterns throughout someone's 
earlier developmental years, and if those carry through, typically those are the A players in the workforce as well. Hmm. What are other questions or patterns that you look for outside of hunger to learn and to grow? So I, I like to understand the challenges that people had, the goals they set in life, and if they achieved them or not. And if they did achieve them, how do they do it? If they did not achieve them, what did they learn from it? And ultimately, I'm looking for people who, when they look back at their life, they look back at it as a positive that led to why they are in the situation they're in today. So they've got internal locus of control, which is, you know, thumbs in, where I own the result of everything that's happened to me, or a thumbs out, you know, it, it was my manager that was poor, it was the company, it was the economy. Those are people that I don't want to hire because they typically have that stormy cloud hanging over their head every single day. They don't see things the way that I want them to view the world. Uh, it's a really, really great element to look for. You, you mentioned as locus of control. Other people talk about it just of ownership over their lives and their actions. And I see the good companies focus on, do you have an internal locus of control? What has been your most surprising challenge in building each of these companies and teams? It's always people challenges. My software, ultimately it's great software, but it comes down to the people building it or my customers, my customer success leaders or my salespeople but trying to give someone that career path, especially as we hire a lot of millennials who are constantly looking for what's next, you know, giving them ongoing challenges where the job is not the same job every single day. But trying to find the right people, trying to retain the right people, train them, keep them hungry, that's always been my number one challenge. And as you talk about career path, and then you also mentioned challenging them, is what you're doing giving them new roles, new titles, more money, or is there something more to it? It could be that. It could be even starting different groups. We have opportunities to be in our diversity and inclusion group or urban bonding or innovation committees. So we do lots of things, specifically talk about urban bound right now, to get people involved outside of their day-to-day -day job responsibilities. And in hierology, we've created some rapid career path opportunities for people to be promoted sometimes three times within one calendar year. Wow. What have you noticed has changed about you as a leader over the last 10, 20 years? I think I'm not as intense as I used to be. I have a better perspective on things. When you have a big win or you have a big loss, you know, the, the highs and the lows, I think, are all the same to me now, where I don't get too high, I don't get too low, I'm just enjoying the ride. And I think I've got a better perspective as I've gotten to be older and I've watched employees or family members you know, have illnesses in their life and have challenges. It just always makes me think how lucky I am to even have the opportunity to run a company and the opportunity to work with such great people that when something goes wrong, I appreciate my health and my family, my friends more than probably I did in my 20s and even my 30s. So I'm never in a bad mood. I mean, as long as everyone's healthy, then I'm pretty happy. And if you could have focused on building or developing one leadership skill um, and having it at the start of all these businesses, what would that skill be? For me, it'd probably be more of an integrator, someone who's able to actually connect the dots, someone who can get in the weeds, but also look at a business from 40,000 feet up. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are great visionaries when it comes to getting in the weeds and, and doing some of the work. They tend to struggle. And I'm one of those people that I like to get in the weeds, but I'm probably not the best person for building out the blueprint for how a process flow will work or how to write a line of code, things like that. That's, that's not my strength. And I wish it was. What was your biggest fuck up along the way? I'm going to go back to hiring. I've definitely hired some of the wrong people. 
in my career. And those are really painful moments when you realize a few months into the job that that person does not align with where you think the company is going or does not align with your values as a person. And that sets the company back tremendously, especially when it's an executive um, and others are seeing the types of people they're hiring. That executive has to be an A player. So is there one specific moment that you're thinking of? I think there's lots of moments. There's no doubt that I've probably have hired over 2,000 people in my career to work at one of my companies. And there's been some bad decisions. And when I look back at it, I have to learn from it. Did we run a good interviewing process? Was I involved in making the hiring decisions? Were we asking the right questions? If we asked the right question, do we even know what answer to look for that would predict success? Hmm. So every time there's been those mistakes, they're all learning opportunities. And I have a whole trail of failures in my entire career. I think when you see these awards in Cranes or when you read the Inc. 500 and all that, people only see the positive side of the successes that the companies have had. But there's been a tremendous amount of failures along the way. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up as it's seeing those. And it sounds like that's what you look for in your future hires is seeing those failures as a learning opportunity, seeing those failures as, you know, I was a part of that failure. I have to own that failure. And what can I learn and grow from it so that we can get better going forward? Yeah, and I think a good leader will call it out, you know, and fall on the sword and say, you know, this happened and here's why it happened. Here's what I learned. And, uh, and I messed up and I'm sorry. And I think that's what everybody really wants to hear a leader say and really to own the result. And I think if the leader does that, then others are not afraid to do that at the company as well. And it kind of you know, rolls downhill. When I watch people in their career you know, thrive and hit the goals they never thought they'd be able to achieve, you know, I do hire a lot of younger people and I, I often will tell them that you learn in your 20s, you earn in your 30s. But when I start seeing people earn big dollars, see them take on new challenges and they hit the ball of the park, I get really excited. And a lot of people in my career, where I sit down with them and, you know, the beginning of the year, right around January, and I, what are your goals for the year? And we put in a writing and then I send them a calendar invite for December 31st, 12 months later to see if they hit those goals. And if they did, then we have got a dinner on the calendar to go celebrate. And those are the moments, right? I love, you know, being able to go have dinner with someone knowing that they hit every goal that we set out. And um, I take great pride in that. That's really awesome is actually the fact that not only you're going to sit down and set the goals of them, but that you're going to check back in at the end of the year and hold them accountable to them and also celebrate the win with them. It's huge. It's really fun. You know, I keep going back to these three super successful companies in their own rights, in their own ways. And each of them have had different components, but at least two of them have been in the tech space. Um, Whereas you mentioned, it's really hard to hire, to retain, to keep, top talent because the competition for talent is super high right now. What are the things you've done that have really worked? And what are some of the things you've done that haven't worked? I'm thinking about where we are right now as a company at Urbanbound, and we do this at Hireology too, but like next week we've got our, our letter ceremony, which anyone who joined the company after their 90th day, they earn their letters. They earn the, the right to get the Urbanbound jacket with the logo on it. And we have a big party for them. And it's been a tradition we've been doing since day one. And we have a lab coat ceremony at Hireology where you become a Hireologist. But those are special things that people look forward to. But we also have other milestones along the way that we all celebrate in each other's success or failures. I always describe our business as like one big wheel. And, you know, sales has to sell it. Product has to build it. Finance has to invoice it properly. A customer success has to renew the customers. And if any part of that wheel has a puncture in it, the entire wheel becomes flat. We all need each other to be successful. So anyone who wants to join a company that's in high growth and thinks they're going to be an individual contributor and be the reason why that company scales, they're going to realize quickly that it's everyone else around them who helps make them successful. 
So it's making everyone feel like they're part of the team. And I also love the, the ceremonies that you have, the different kind of traditions of being a part of the team and being a part of the company. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we do you know, trolley rides and boat rides and wine nights and book clubs. And we're always doing things that you know, really creates that sense of community because the name Urban Bound or Hyreology or the Home Scout Caldwell Banker, those are just names, but it's the people who make up the company. The company name doesn't mean a whole lot without the people behind it. Yeah. And I love the intentionality, the focus, especially on what I'm taking away from today is hiring and hiring right. And on taking the time to look at those people that you're hiring, especially early on in your business, because those are the people that are going to then be hiring the rest of the people in your business. And so taking the time to get it right and hire slow and fire fast. It's just a really good lesson for fellow leaders to learn. And you know, you're a great example of, of how it's worked out several times over. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for jumping in on this, for sharing your stories, for sharing your lessons learned and your fuck-ups along the way. I really appreciate you being on here today. Aaron, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Want to hear more great stories like this one? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. And you can always drop us a note at openhonestanddirect.com. Cheers.